You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, what's up, folks? It's uh, Brian Nichols from The Brian Nichols Show doing one of these fantastic new segments on uh, Wall Daily. Uh, so I want to thank Chris Spangle, dear leader, for giving me the chance to go ahead and uh, do this segment here. To start off today's segment on Wall Daily, I uh, I wanted to first introduce uh, myself to the audience, maybe who's not familiar with uh, myself, but also my show on the We Are Libertarians Network. So as I said, Brian Nichols from the uh, the Brian Nichols Show. We are a weekly show that airs here on the We Are Libertarians Network on Fridays. Uh, and really my show, its main goal is to help educate, enlighten, and inform by reaching out to people across the aisle who libertarians might not necessarily agree with, but we, we need to have an ability to to really speak to one another despite um, our differences. So with my show, what I really try to do is to bring in these people who we disagree with, have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about, and then really to find some common ground. Um, now, in some cases, that's not possible. And I've I've had some some guests on and well, we we came to the conclusion at the end of the episode, um, you know, we didn't necessarily agree, but at the very least, we understand where each other's coming from. And uh, it's funny, my show, uh, with the goal of my show, I, I ended up having an interaction today on social media, and I, I wanted to, to use that interaction as a means not only to kind of plug the premise of my show, but then maybe to give the audience some tips and tricks of how to... Uh, explain or talk to people who you disagree with to actually come out of a conversation not feeling like you've won, um, but to to actually have a tangible, real, substantive uh, discussion on the issues and then to take that going forward feeling like, all right, you know what, we disagree, uh, but I think we're at a better um, point where we started off. So, uh, to preface this conversation, uh, I uh, posted a, or I retweeted rather on, on Twitter. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at B Nichols Liberty. I retweeted uh, this, this lady who had posted uh, this handout by a teacher in Virginia. And the handout was laying out the political spectrum. And the political spectrum uh, ranged in terms of looking at the overall uh, ideology uh, in terms of government control. Um, so it started out with government power, starting with communist, and then uh, socialist, fascist, liberal, progressive, moderate, populist, and then as it got toward more uh, towards more individual liberty, conservative, libertarian, and anarchist. And uh, I, the, the person who had tweeted this originally, she said, uh, "What the hell is this? Just given to a Virginia public high school student today in their U.S. Uh, USVA government class." And, and I quote tweeted, uh, angry leftist is angry for teacher accurately to teaching the uh, political spectrum. And uh, OK, to start off, that wasn't me trying to um, trying. That wasn't me trying to to build bridges by any stretch of the imagination. That was me poking fun at someone who who obviously was was very, um, very lost, I would say. Um, but so so far down the rabbit hole that it, it's. It's almost a waste of time to try to have a conversation with someone like that. Uh, and that's just a sad reality of the political climate we're in. Is that are, There are a lot of folks you're going to come across that they're, they're too far gone. Um, you know, they've, they've been converted to the point that 
anything you say or do is going to be, uh, you know, just, just spinning your wheels. It's not going to be successful. Um, but then there are those who definitely are uh, interested in having conversations or at the very least just trying to figure out where you're coming from. And um, that actually leads to uh, someone that I greatly respect. It's actually one of my old professors from, from college. And uh, you know, the, the professor I'm, I'm referring to, he is an absolutely phenomenal individual. I, I consider him a dear family friend. And um, he was my political science professor. Uh, excellent, excellent professor. Um, was biased. He, he, he fully acknowledges his bias. He's uh, much more in the progressive camp. Uh, and that's, that's fine. Um, he, he mentioned his biases at the, the onset. And he didn't try to, to hide his, his biases in his, his teaching. Uh, but he, he privately DM me and uh, he said, well, Brian, you know, you, you know, the difference between socialism and fascism. And, and we, we started going in a back and forth on, on uh, discussing the post. And, and then it kind of just devolved into a conversation about uh, different forms of, of society, how we, you know, what, what's the answer for taxation? What's the answer for, um, you know, a societal hierarchy, uh, free riders, and it just it kind of went on and on. And at one point, he had made a, a remark about, you know, oh well, I guess you know, he built a straw man argument. Like, oh, I guess you're only, you know, worried about a society where certain individuals are able to to pay and the, the poor ones can't uh, for your voluntary society. And I think one thing I could have done better uh, would have been to approach the conversation with a little more tactfulness. So this kind of goes back to Megan Phelps Roper. She's been on, uh, on Glenn Beck, uh, many times, and she was a Westboro Baptist church member. Uh, and she was one of the ones picketing with, uh, you know, the, the gays are worthy of death. God hates fags. Um, all those, those signs. And she kind of had this come to Jesus moment because of an interaction she had with someone on Twitter. And uh, she was quoted, so this is, is actually, it's from from uh, a TED talk. She's quoted saying, initially the people I encountered in the platform, being Twitter, were just as hostile as I expected. But slowly that changed as they started to ask her about her beliefs and, asked, and, and then she would ask about theirs. And the conversations planted seeds of doubt and slowly her entire worldview shifted, eventually driving her to leave the church, uh, Westboro Baptist Church, and the beliefs uh, that came with it. So with that, in Megan's TED Talk, there's four things that she laid out as a, a great toolbox to have when you're having conversations with people who you, you disagree with. So I wanted to share that today. Uh, and, and maybe libertarian, now I'm not saying maybe it, this is a definitive yes, libertarians often have issues in terms of trying to convey their ideas to people in a manner that number one is easy to understand, but number two is, is actually convincing. Uh, Jason Stapleton has the, the great, uh, statement being, uh, don't win arguments, win converts. And libertarians, I think sometimes get too excited at winning the argument than they do at winning people over in terms of actually changing minds and changing hearts. So, uh, with that, the first point um, that, that Megan, uh, brings up is don't assume bad intent. Uh, assuming ill motives almost instantly cuts us off from truly understanding why someone does 
and believes as they do. We forget they're human beings with a lifetime of experience that shaped their minds. We get stuck on the first wave of anger, and the conversation has a very hard time ever moving beyond it. But when we assume good or neutral intent, we give our minds a much stronger framework for dialogue. I think that's absolutely uh, incredible to to acknowledge as, as libertarians because the reality is many libertarians approach any conversation with anybody outside of libertarianism as someone who's this evil status looking to infringe upon everyone's rights and to to be you know, this this overarching leviathan state warmonger. And the reality is that it's just people who are basing their opinions most mostly. And I'm saying this again with the idea of not assuming bad intent. It's people who they've grown up maybe in a democratic household. They have only seen uh, the world through the prism that's been presented by the mainstream media. They have never spoken to someone who is a libertarian. It's important for us to understand how we got to where we are as libertarians. And there's a lot of people that I I know that are in libertarianism who started out either as, um, you know, full-blown neocon conservatives, Republicans, or they were from the complete opposite side where they were full-blown socialists. And it's important for us to remember in our journey how it took us some time to get where we are today. That's number one. Number two is ask questions. So Megan says, when we engage with people across political or ideological divides, asking questions help us map the disconnect between our differing points of view. That's important because we can't present effective arguments if we don't understand where the other side is actually coming from, and it gives them an opportunity to point out flaws in their position. That's actually a very important part of my show. I like people to be able to speak out their own views and then based on the framework I give them to find the areas where I'm going to have issue based on a premise of of logic and rationality. And I've actually had a couple times on my show, uh, being the Brian Nichols show, where I've, I've had people have that aha moment. Uh, most recently, I had a, a New York Assembly uh, uh, Democratic candidate on my show, and we were talking about the inherent flaw in in just trying to throw more money at government to fix bad government. And uh, it was funny to hear his, you know, oh, I never thought about that kind of position. Continue with what Megan said, but asking questions serves another purpose too. It signals to someone they're being heard. She says, with my friends on Twitter, stop accusing and start asking questions. I almost automatically mirrored them. Their questions gave me room to speak, but they also gave me permission to ask them questions and truly hear their responses. It's fundamentally changed the dynamic of our conversations. So think about it. As a libertarian speaking to someone who is from the opposite side of the political spectrum, the chances are we know as little about them as they know as little about us. So Asking a question to them shows that we're trying to build a dialogue, we're trying to build that bridge, and it opens the door for them then to ask us questions. And with that, we're going to be able to then give them answers based on questions they're asking for, and hopefully be able to start planting that seed of doubt in their own ideas, and their own ideology, and really start asking the big questions of, of why. Why do I believe what I believe? That's not going to happen if you're just telling them they're wrong 
and and browbeating them to the point that they feel shamed or or feel like they, they can't even have a conversation. So again, ask questions. Number three, stay calm. Megan says, this takes practice and patience, but it's powerful. When my husband was still just an anonymous Twitter acquaintance, our discussions frequently became hard and pointed, but we always refused to escalate. Uh, side notes, she ended up marrying her husband who confronted her on Twitter. And then, uh, you know, they were going back and forth because she was, you know, in the Westboro Baptist Church and he was trying to, you know, again, poke holes in, in her, her own position, but doing so respectfully. And it led to them actually getting married. So back to what she's saying, instead, he would change the subject. He would tell a joke or recommend a book or gently excuse himself from the conversation. We knew the discussion wasn't over, just pause for a time to bring us back to an even keel. People often lament that digital communication makes us less civil, but this is one advantage that online conversations have over in-person ones. We have a buffer time and a space between us and the people whose ideas we find frustrating. We can use that buffer instead of lashing out. We can pause, breathe, change the subject, or walk away and then come back to it when we're ready. Uh, one thing I've done in my own personal life is if, if I, this is not Twitter trolls or anybody like that, but this is like a real person that you know personally, and they come, you know, let's say it's your, your uncle, Uncle Joe, and Uncle Joe uh, comments on your Facebook post about taxation being theft, and it's, oh, you, you stupid libertarians, you have no idea how the real world works, don't you use those roads? How can taxation be theft? What do you think is going to happen? What do you want? Anarchy? And he comes in, you know, with, with you start laying on the, the ad hominem. It's going to make Thanksgiving dinner really awkward and really uncomfortable. And you just need to take a time out. Because if you respond to your, your Uncle Joe at that moment, you're going to be reflecting the energy that Uncle Joe brought to the, the conversation. Whereas if you're actually trying to, to have a conversation with someone you disagree with, in this case, Uncle Joe, then you need to take a time out. And you need to be able to yourself bring yourself back down to this state of, of calm, cool, and collected. And then respond, not in kind, but in a, in a sense of trying to actually change his mind. Or at the very, not even change his mind. To just present the view in a non-straw man way from his perspective. Because the reality is, again, he might not know what you actually believe. He's going based on the caricature that's been presented to him over, you know, X number of years in his life. So that's number three, uh, to, to stay calm. And then number four is to make the argument. So this, she goes, this might seem obvious. But one side effect of having strong beliefs is sometimes we assume that the value of our position is or should be obvious and self-evident that we shouldn't have to defend our positions because they're so clearly right and good that if someone doesn't get it, it's their problem, that it's not my job to educate them. But if it were that simple, we would all see things the same way. As kind as my friends on Twitter were, if they, had, they hadn't actually made their arguments, it would have been so much harder for me to see the world in a different way. We are all a product of our upbringing and of our beliefs, and our beliefs, I'm sorry, and our beliefs reflect our experiences. We can't expect others to spontaneously change their minds. If we want to change, we have to make the case for it. So I hope 
that one's kind of self-explanatory. It's it's kind of this putting this nice big bow on top of the entire uh, you know four-step plan here, and that really is again not not assuming they're gonna get it. It's one thing just to say taxation is theft. It's another thing to explain why taxation is theft. Libertarians, I think this is part of the problem for libertarians, is we approach many conversations because we've so well thought out our arguments and we've so well thought out our beliefs that to her point, we don't feel that we should defend what we believe because it is so logical. It's so rational. And, and yes, if someone doesn't get it, that's on you. It's not my job to educate you. This is, this is self-explanatory. It's basic economics. It's logic. The problem is right now, libertarians, we are not a, a majority of people. That's just the reality, which means there's a lot of people out there who don't just look at it as obvious or, and that, that being libertarianism. They don't look at it as being obvious or self-evident because if they did, they'd believe it. So it's our job to to teach. We should be approaching these conversations. These, it's honestly a lot of times starting out as arguments. We shouldn't be approaching these with the goal of winning. We should be approaching these with the goal of teaching, with creating those converts to to libertarianism. It's not going to happen if you come in guns ablazing, looking to take somebody out. Shaming somebody isn't going to to win. We, we have to, as libertarians, be able to articulate our ideas in a way that people will not be ready to put the walls up and, and you know, plug their ears. So with that being said, take this away, folks. Four steps. Don't assume bad intent. Ask questions. Stay calm. Make your argument. Right. So I hope this this has helped you <laughs> at some extent. Uh, I know it's a little random for uh, a We Are Libertarians Daily show. Uh, I know it's supposed to be much more focused on what's happening, but I just thought it's very important for us to, to have this conversation today. And, and if anything, uh, to take away from this, this episode, being able to talk to people a little bit better that are outside of our libertarian echo chamber. Going back to my show, that's the whole goal of my show is to make myself uncomfortable on the show because the reality is I need to figure out what other people's arguments are in order to talk to them. And to be able to mirror what they're feeling and then root it back to libertarianism. It's one thing to have a liberal on the show who I'm ready just to to browbeat because I'm right and they're wrong. It's another thing to have someone on my show to try and change their mind. Or, again, not necessarily trying to find the common ground, but to be able to plant the seed of doubt in their own ideas and their own beliefs. And then five days, 10 days, 20 days down the road, that starts to creep back up and they say, hey, you know what? Maybe I was wrong. Maybe, Or maybe I should rethink this. It's not guaranteed by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but it's something. Um, it, the definition of insanity is, is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Libertarians have been the definition of insanity for decades, literally decades. We got to do something different. And I think it starts with us being able to talk to people and, and to get uncomfortable with talking to people outside of our echo chambers. So with that being said, if you enjoyed today's wall daily, please take a chance and actually uh, swing. If you enjoyed today's wall daily, swing over to the Brian Nichols show. We record again once a week 
airs on Friday mornings. Uh, it's an absolutely fantastic show. I've had phenomenal guests on my show, ranging from uh, Stephen Horowitz, Jeffrey Tucker, Austin Peterson, Adam Kokesh, Kimberly Ross from Red State, Larry Sharp. The list goes on and on and on. And I would love for you to, to join the show, to, to be able to be educated, enlightened, and informed, and to be able to walk away from the show feeling like you can, you can have better conversations with people uh, that are outside of your comfort zone. Uh, so you can follow me. It's on Facebook at B Nichols Liberty on Twitter at B Nichols Liberty. Uh, the Brian Nichols show can be found anywhere podcasts are found. iTunes, uh, Podbean, uh, Stitcher, anywhere really you get your, your podcast. I use podcast addict. If that's something that you're looking into, it's a great way to manage all your podcasts. Or you can go online to Fireside. Find me on Fireside. It's the Brian, it's actually Brian Nicholshow.com. Uh, all my past episodes are there. Give them a listen. I don't mean to steal something from Jason Stapleton, but give me, you know, give me a five episode challenge. Uh, listen to five interviews, five conversations, five discussions with people that are all over the political spectrum and, and try to take something away from that. And then if, if you found that the show has value, please hit the subscribe button, join us weekly, join this uh, phenomenal movement that Chris has given uh, all of us here at the We Are Libertarians Network. Uh, but with that being said, for a while daily, it's Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, part of the We Are Libertarians Network. I'll talk to you next week.